0: Listeners, what you're about to hear is an edited version of a live show we taped back in April with podcast sensation Mark Maron. If you want to see the full video version, you still can. Go to dontasktig.org/live, donate $15 and get special access to the recording. Also, I may be coming to a city near you. I'll be in Bellingham, Washington September 8th, Olympia, Washington, September 9th, Torrington, Connecticut, September 15th, Rochester, New York, September 16th, Wilmington, Delaware, September 17th, Colorado Springs, September 25th, Breckenridge, Colorado, September 28th, Boulder, Colorado, September 29th, and November 4th in Brooklyn at King's Theater for my next stand-up special taping, Get your tickets now. There's an early and late show. And then I'm off on my European tour in October. Check my website for all European and U.S. dates at tignotaro.com. And lastly, please note that this episode was recorded before the Screen Actors Guild strike. Now on with the show. It's not our problem.
1: Well, we've made it our problem. (laughs)
0: Yes. <laughs> Why did we make this our problem?
1: I don't know. It's your show. <laughs>
0: This is Don't Ask Tig. I'm Tig Notaro, ready to give some truly WTF advice on today's very special live streaming edition of the podcast. My guest today is a comedian, actor, writer, musician, and podcast phenomenon. His podcast. WTF launched in 2009 and played a key role in popularizing podcasting. He starred in the Netflix series Glow, as well as Marin on IFC. He has five stand-up comedy specials, including most recently From Bleak to Dark on HBO. Mark Marin, welcome to Don't Ask Tig.
1: Thank you. That was a very nice intro. Thank you, Tig. Nice to see you.
0: (laughs) Well, it's a nice intro because you did a bunch of nice, great things that caused that intro to be written that way.
1: Well, thank God, you know, after uh, 40 years (laughs) of doing this. Has it
0: been 40 years?
1: I think uh, I'm I'm getting close to 40. I think I started working as a comic professionally in 1988. I think the first time I did comedy was 86.
0: You've been doing it for almost 40 years and... You just keep getting bigger and bigger and I bigger. I guess I didn't
1: choose it that way. I think that, you know, when we're younger we want it to go differently. I I mean it's it's sort of working out so right when I I hit my peak I'll be ready to stop. <laughs> I I think that's what I'm looking forward to, is that moment where it's like, hey, you made it. And I'm like, great, I think I'm done.
0: Well, what do you think your peak is?
1: I think I'm in it. Uh, the last two specials, I, I think, are about the best I can do. Uh-huh. Most of these specials I do come from a personal place. And I believe that my life is progressively getting smaller, not larger. So. I I just, I don't know what I'm going to talk about. Mm -hmm. There's some part of me that feels satisfied with the output at this point, yet I go out every night and do more. I'm doing new Uh. jokes. I just don't know. It's just what I do. It's habit. Well,
0: when you say that you don't know if you'll have anything to talk about, Mm. because I have these moments where I think, okay, I got to go. Get on the public bus. Yeah. I got to go across town and go to a place I've never been, just force myself to have these experiences that I don't normally have. Yeah. And do you ever have those moments where you think, okay, I got to go mix it up? Sure. So I can have something.
1: Sometimes I go to three supermarkets in one day. There's some things I buy at Whole Foods, there's some things I need at Vaughn's sometimes. I like going to Ralph's, but I definitely get the same sort of thing that you have. Like, what is going to happen? That's going to give me a story. and then, But you're the same as me where it can be a little event. It doesn't have to be a field trip. I mean, usually it comes from an encounter or some awkward thing. And you stretch it into, you know, we can do 15 minutes on it if it's solid.
0: Absolutely. And I have to say, I've already mentioned this on this podcast, but I just have to tell you because I think you might be amused by this. I went to my stepfather's funeral and my brother... Fell into his grave. <laughs> yeah. On purpose? No. Oh. They had green astroturf right. over the grave and yeah. they were supposed to put plywood. Right. And when my brother got up to speak, he fell into our stepfather's grave. So, did,
1: did he get laughs?
0: Oh, our whole family was like, oh, God, I'm like, everybody was just feeling, oh, yeah. Jesus. Christ yeah. Oh, my yeah. God. And then he was crawling out of the grave oh. and he's dusting dirt off of his suit. And yeah. then everybody had a laugh. But, you know, I didn't even have to go to three grocery stores.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It would have been more exciting if your stepfather came out of the grave.
0: Oh, my. The one thing that's so painful is that my stepfather wasn't there to see that happen. It was like the ultimate punchline that my brother fell into his grave.
1: Yeah. Depending on how where you're at spiritually, he he could have been there to see it happen. He was very close by.
0: Was very close. My mother was right there, too. I mean, right in the plot right next door. Oh, that's amazing. So I guess, yeah, if you believe that, then they were there for it.
1: My dad has started the uh, dementia process. And, you know, as disturbing as that is, it is, is a, f- a fairly common experience for most people to to be dealing with an elder relative or parent with this disease, and it, it does have its comedic moments. Mm-hmm. They don't do it on purpose, but I don't see any shame in laughing at it. I think that many people who have Alzheimer's people or dementia people in their life, you do a lot of times find yourself going, oh, no. <laughs> and and I, I don't know why you can't lean into that laugh a little bit, but I've been talking about that pretty regularly. I I know it's sad and it's hard. Yeah. But I'm finding, you know, after talking about grief so much in that last special that, look, the sadness is not going to go away in these situations. Right. It's Mm -hmm. that's a constant. Like, you know, your stepfather's passed. You know, Lynn Mm -hmm. has passed. My dad's got dementia. So the sadness is it's there. You can't do anything about that.
0: And it continues to show up. It's a roller coaster. It's
1: it's that's never going to go away. So you just have that as a foundation. There's a way to find balance with it comedically. Mm-hmm. And and I think it's good. I mean, don't you?
0: Absolutely. I think there's also times where I don't even find that I'm finding balance in it. But yeah, you, you search for and hope for the balance.
1: Right. What the balance really ends up being is like when you were working through the cancer stuff.
0: Oh, did you hear about that?
1: Yeah, I, I think I, I, someone tweeted it. But uh <laughs> The risk of it mm-hmm. is that when you begin talking about it, it's pretty vulnerable stuff. So like mm-hmm. when you're talking about these things, there is the risk of being inappropriate for the laugh. But the bigger mm-hmm. risk is that you're not going to be able to make it funny at first.
0: Oh, it's such a terrifying risk. Right. I remember thinking, I can't do my regular material. That's not what's on my mind. Right. And I also felt like I would rather bomb and take that risk rather than do the material of... You know, oh, I was at a party last weekend. Sure.
1: Well, the thing is, though, the the benefit, if you can see it that way, of bombing with your personal tragedy is you'll still have the support. Mm -hmm. Like you're you're, you're not going to bomb and go like, that was a terrible show. People are going to be like, well, wow, (laughs) you know, are you okay? (laughs) You may bomb comedically, but you'll find a lot of love in the room despite that.
0: I didn't. I, I didn't believe or know that until it happened because yeah. I truly thought, okay, I might bomb tonight and then just go away and die. Right. And so I also thought that was kind of funny too.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you can't say it and try. That's the last yeah. words, right? Yeah. Just
0: people like, oh yeah, were you at Tig's last show? I was, and uh yeah,
1: whew, yeah. it was. A they didn't stinker. catch that cancer. Yeah. <laughs>
0: Cancer of the comedy, <laughs> Mark. Now, even though this is your first time on yeah. the show, it's not the first time you've been mentioned on the podcast. Oh, really? My past guest, James Adomian, did an impression of you, uh-huh. and I'd like to play the clip for
1: you. Uh, okay, okay, yeah. Mark Marin is the first and only time that someone I did an impression of has given me, like, notes. Usually it's either like, hey, wow, you got me, or like, how dare you? There was nothing like me. But Mark Maron was like, yeah, that was funny. That was funny. You said something. What was that thing you said? (laughs) You said something about a stool. And I was like, yeah, I said, uh, I'm a brain suffering on a stool. And he goes, see, that's not exactly it. I'm not just sitting there suffering. I'm also giving back. (laughs) (laughs) He was, like, coaching me on how to do an American impression the right way. (laughs)
0: is it flattering to hear an impression of you and i think do you think that's good i think it's pretty impressive it's
1: pretty good it's hard for me to know but like i also know that i'm not the easiest guy to do an impression of because i don't have like i can't identify my tics and quirks but Mm -hmm. i think he's got the vocal thing right i think he's got the thrust of me uh correct
0: you do have tics and quirks
1: i know i I know. i do. you've got them I know. And and that's what it takes to do a good impression. Like when you see him do it and he's hunched on the stool, I get it. Yeah. It's good. I, I, I find it flattering. I, I love James.
0: <laughs> he's so talented, it's ridiculous. Yeah. Listening to what I can assume is the real Mark Marin over the years yeah. on WTF, and I really come to value your vulnerability. Oh. I'm just curious, do you get tired of hearing how great you are at interviewing?
1: Uh, no.
0: It's like, yeah, yeah, sure. I'm, I know, I'm good. I, well, I'm
1: one of the best. I I don't, but I, I never see it that way. If I did, I think it mm-hmm. would diminish it. Like, I obviously have a way of doing it. But for mm-hmm. years, I didn't really think I did because I don't really set out to ask questions. You know, mm-hmm. uh, I I do have more of a pattern now than I used to. And I'm always, you know, terrified and full of dread and not sure how a conversation is going to go because it really has to become a conversation or I'm, I don't know where we're going to go if it doesn't. And over time, I have found that, you know, it usually becomes one, sometimes not immediately. And I don't really know what the connective tissue is until shortly before I, I start to have it. Like, I talked to... Like, I talked to Rachel Weiss uh, yesterday, and mm-hmm. I had heard she likes the Velvet Underground and Lou Reed. So, like, that's where I started. and mm-hmm. And then everything sort of unfolds from there. So, anyway... I don't see myself as a great interviewer. I think I'm a pretty good conversationalist. And I, and I, and I do find that the vulnerability thing gets, it gets a little heavy, but it, it happens because I'm deeply codependent and I'm immediately enmeshed with people as soon as they walk into my house.
0: You're also, you're just so, you know, obviously highly intelligent and well read. And, and you, you have so much that you bring to an interview.
1: If I have a style, it was that. And many people Mm -hmm. would say that I talk over the guests too much. I used to get that a lot. Like, you know, you've got to let them answer questions. I'm like, I'm not asking questions. And this shows at least half about me. (laughs) So if you listen to all those early WTFs, it's all about me. It's really me having famous people over to talk about me. And Mm -hmm. and then it evolved from there. And now I hope I find a middle zone. But, yeah, the vulnerability is there because I think that active listening – If you really, you know, open yourself up to it, to people's stories that, you know, especially when they're sitting right in front of you, you know, you can really sense the feeling of it. And I think that over the course of the podcast, I learned to be more empathetic. I don't think I was great at it when I was younger. I think that empathy is sort of, you have to sort of work that muscle because I think Mm -hmm. we're all pretty fundamentally selfish, at least I am, but we're also very sensitive. So you have to sort of decide how you're going to balance that.
0: Talking about empathy, I have to say, you know, obviously there's been so much that's gone on in the world that's either cracked people open mm. or they've gone in a completely other direction. And I feel like you're somebody that I've been so presently surprised by. Mm. And and I'm not saying this like, boy, Mark, you've really needed to grow up and become more empathetic or... Yeah mature? I, I have, no, I'm speaking about myself and everybody, yeah. especially over the past handful of years.
1: I feel the same about you because, mm-hmm. I mean, we've known each other a long time because mm-hmm. we are in the same community and we'd see each yeah. other at festivals and stuff. We used to have a sort of running joke with each other that we wore the same clothes.
0: It wasn't a joke. It was, uh, <laughs> we wore the same clothes. <laughs> just know. pop a different head on a body. <laughs> Yeah. It was
1: very funny. But I think that both of us, like, I think I was, you know, I, I'm, uh you know, I'm intense and I'm a little mm-hmm. aggressive and, you know, and sometimes I can be kind of a, I don't know if I'm an a**hole, I don't know if I wasn't nice, but I was certainly full of a certain type of drama and, and a very, mm-hmm. very self-centered. But I think, you know, as our lives have gone on and the things that we've gone through, we've sort of begun to open up. I think it's just a humility that happens for whatever reason. You know, you dealing with illness is a big deal and dealing with children and, you know, maintaining a relationship is all stuff that sort of challenges selfishness. But, you know, for me... When you hear me on the podcast, it's a lot of my life. You know, I don't talk to a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And all the conversations are part of my social life and part of my connection to the world. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to think I've changed. I think I'm less selfish, less angry, less of an a- less insensitive.
0: Yeah. And all I'm saying is I've noticed it and I'm, I'm, I, and I agree about myself as yeah. well yeah. that I've, I know I've shifted. I can sure. feel it.
1: Yeah, definitely.
0: And it's like, even, you know, when Lynn passed away, Yeah, I immediately just felt for you and was like, oh, I care about that guy.
1: Well, I appreciate that. And I remember you reached out and I was surprised. I don't know why, like so many people from our community showed up. But it's so devastating that it happened because she was such a charismatic, ebulent, shiny person. She really was.
0: Really shiny.
1: It's just one of those things where you have no control over those feelings. There's nothing you can do to sort of make that better. Once you sort of come out of the shock and realize what's happened, you're never going to be the same again. Right. Right. I thought I had found... For the first time in my life after being, you know, through many relationships and also being not like good at them and having, mm-hmm. you know, very difficult ones of all different kinds that I'd landed finally with somebody, you know, age appropriate, someone I love, someone I respected or talent. All the things I was like, I can't believe it happened. Yeah. And then she passes away. And so you're grieving these possibilities. Yeah. And, and 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 you can't, you can't, you certainly can't live in that place, right? And, you know, like, I felt like, you know, with her, you know, I was, you know, I was going to finally sort of let down my guard, you know, you know, kind of trust love and, mm-hmm. you know, enjoy this part of my life. And, you know, now... You know, I'm seeing somebody and it's and it's good. But like mm-hmm. I, I, I feel like I'm regressing back to, you know, a pre Lynn me. Uh mm-hmm. which I which, you know, is not the best. It's not great in in relationship. And uh I start to wonder, like, have I really processed everything I need to process? But you know, I don't know, man. You get old and if you're being you know, respectful. I just don't know what I'm what I'm capable of emotionally at this point. I'm I'm just I've got a lot of fear and and not a lot of of trust. And, and also, I just think I'm broken. So like, I, who knows?
0: <laughs> I'm not signing up for that for you. Yeah. But I do feel like whatever you're experiencing and whoever you're engaged with in whatever way, I think it's probably necessary to figure out sure where you need to be.
1: Time is running out, though, Tig. It's it's running out,
0: yeah, but it's been running out and time's <laughs> running out for everybody. And then like losing Lynn, you never know what age it's going to be. And it's Ugh. not, you're not guaranteed, as you know, to, yeah. to uh, live a full life. And yeah. so what's exciting though is that you. Are and have been living a full life. Yes. And I just, and I know all of this conversation got started from me talking about your vulnerability and my appreciation for it, but it is, it's genuine. And I, um, to say again, I just really, really felt for you and continue well,
1: thanks. to. Thanks. I'm doing okay. Um, I'm okay. Mm-hmm, I really am. Mm-hmm. I you know mm-hmm. I I'm trying to experience joy. I tend to fight it. <laughs> so we'll see. <laughs> <laughs>
0: well, I can certainly relate.
1: Yeah, I appreciate it. And I'm glad we're both alive and I'm glad we're okay. Yeah. The last time I talked to you, we talked about cooking oils and you know, and I never <laughs> don't think about it. I I <laughs> I, I, I
0: <laughs> oh, my God. I'm
1: so annoying. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, no, I've been vegan for three months.
0: <gasps> Real, oh, God. Now here we go again. Why, why didn't you tell me? Yeah. I I mean, well, we have to uh, have a side conversation. I'll. I'll call you. Okay
1: yeah I've been vegan for three months i I really enjoy cooking the food and eating the food like I'm doing a joke about it, which is uh I think you'll like it. you might even have a joke like this where I say like I say like you know uh, I've been vegan for for three months, and I have to be honest with you, not great uh don't feel better uh mentally <laughs> physically really in in any way, and I'm uncomfortable with the amount of carbs I'm eating but I'll tell you honestly, there's one thing that I know deep down right now is that I'm better than other people. <laughs>
0: I don't have a joke like that. I was hoping that I did so we could be dressed alike and doing comedy the exact same. Now, Mark, you know, we have listeners that have questions and want advice from us. So what do you say we get into that? Are you ready?
1: Yes, I will speak from my experience if I can.
0: That's all we can do, my friend. (laughs)
1: Let's
0: get started. First up, a question from down under.
1: Mm. I'm assuming that's Australia.
0: Uh, Yeah, you're correct. This comes from Shannon in Melbourne. Did you perform in uh, Australia? I'm sure you did. I have, sure.
1: Yeah, I have, yeah. You know,
0: the locals say Melbourne.
1: Melbourne. Yeah, I like Melbourne. I like Melbourne. Yeah.
0: I love it there. Oh, yeah. my gosh, I love it there. Shannon writes, hi, Tig. I have a dating dilemma to run past you. I've had braces on for about five months, and they should be on for just over a year. Should I add a photo of me with them on my online dating profile if they're only temporary?
1: Well, it depends. If uh, I think if if you want the date to only be temporary, you might as well be honest. But if you want it to be I think, like, either way, why you know, why not? Like, in the long term, if you're looking for a life partner, they'll mm-hmm. know that your yeah. braces are <laughs> temporary. I don't want to be misunderstood. I'm not saying people are unattractive with braces, but I don't see why you wouldn't put it up there. This is related
0: and unrelated, but my wife, Stephanie, when she was in kindergarten, made a pact with herself that she wasn't going to smile for the entire kindergarten year, and she did it.
1: Wow. Yeah. That's interesting. If you've got
0: that kind of... Strength to uh, hide your braces for an entire relationship, then yes. But yeah, if you're looking for a long-term relationship,
1: they'll understand.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, I I don't know anything about dating profiles. I've never had to. I, I I've heard things about pics not representing people. Honestly, uh, yes. you know, I I've heard all that. Why can't you just <laughs> post a recent picture and just say uh, they'll be off eventually? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> It is funny. I mean, I haven't been on dating profiles either, but it is funny. I've seen people that look a particular way in a picture and in person, you're like, I'm sorry, what? What on earth?
1: I don't know what they think is going to happen. When they go on the date. I don't know. I've never been on. I, I'm so out of that. I don't know anything about Would that. Would you way. ever
0: do it? Would you sign up on a dating app?
1: No. No. I. It's weird. I don't, like, you know, in my life, I generally meet people because they reach out.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: <laughs> like, hey, and I'm like, hi. and You know, even with, like, well, how did I meet Lynn? Oh, my God. Well, she was a guest on WTF. And actually, my intentions were not... It, it, it's, a, it's a long story, but we, we definitely, like, if you listen to that first time we met, it's crazy that, you know, we were definitely into each other. But, yeah.
0: I heard that episode. Yeah,
1: it was crazy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> all right. Shannon, Mark and I wish you all the luck finding that special someone, but you have got to reveal the true Shannon. Okay? And that's where you're going to find luck in Mm. your love life. Whether it's in a picture or in real life. Look, I mean, we're talking about Mark revealing his real self on his podcast and people are reaching out saying...
1: Maybe you'll find somebody that just loves braces.
0: "Mm." I know it's weird when you find people are into certain things. I remember after I had my double mastectomy. I was so insecure about my body. And then I find out there are girls that are like, I love scars. And I'm like, wow. Okay. Now all of a sudden I feel confident.
1: Yeah.
0: yeah. <laughs> all right, Mark, we're going to take a break, but then we'll return very soon with more listener questions.
1: Hello. Jamila Jamil here. You may know me from my role in the good place or from She Hulk or from social
0: media and my activism. I Way basically started as a social movement and my podcast is one of my truly greatest achievements. It's a podcast against shame and a place for us to have really honest and truly inclusive conversations. I love connecting with people. I love learning. I have a lot to learn and I'm inviting you along with me. On I Way with Jamila Jamil, I have friends, activists, specialists and absolute heroes join me to teach me from their experience and expertise. People like Conan O'Brien, Jane Fonda, Roxanne Gay, Reese Witherspoon, Nicole Byer, Alok, Kelly Rowland, and more. Eyeway with Jamila Jamil has new episodes out every Tuesday and you can find the show on earwolf.com or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And we're back. Mark, yeah. this next question was sent in by Jane.
1: Hi, Tig. So um, once a week, I attend a church class and it involves a lot of discussion. And um, I can't help but notice that a lot of other people in the class make a lot of funny, witty comments that makes everyone else in the class laugh. So I've tried on multiple occasions to make funny comments also, and it hasn't really turned out. So is there a way that I can, like, work on my jokes or is being funny a talent that some people just don't have? Mm. Mm. Well, you know, you seem like a a, a very nice person. And in my experience, sadly, to be funny in class, you've really got to want to be disruptive.
0: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it doesn't feel like something that you – it's like a measured – Peppering in, I'm gonna try and be funny. Ah. It's, I think it's in your blood.
1: Yeah, but I mean, like, look, oddly though, and you know this as well as I do. I have seen comics. Like people we started with, when you first see them, you're like, this is not going to work out. And then they become funny.
0: Absolutely. I was going to say the exact same thing. There is a guy, and I, of course, won't mention his name, but he was terrible. Yeah, He was terrible. And honestly, I don't know where he is now, Yeah, but I did see his growth as a comedian, and I was blown away. It's like I just had to turn my head for five years, and then I went into like, some- Weird club and man, did everything that was annoying about him, he focused into what was hilarious. And that's something that, you know, you hear all the time when you're growing up, whether you're a comedian or not, that it's like, you're special, you're one of a kind, and you should use what it is that makes you special And that's what people are going to like. And that's also what's going to make people like you as a comedian.
1: But it's belief in that, believing that. That's the weird thing is when you see those people, you're like, Mm -hmm. this is just odd. Yeah. And, you know, it's uncomfortable. And what are they thinking? But most of the people that become funny like that, they knew exactly what they were thinking. And they couldn't do it any other way. Yeah. And eventually it starts to work. Well, I guess the question for Jane is that, do you think you're funny? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's a big question. I know it's exciting to see funny people and to laugh at funny people, but I mean, do you just want to be funny, or do you think you're funny? Yeah. yeah. I guess she can't answer, but she'll she'll figure it out. But I, I I'd hate for her to just keep <laughs> keep uh, throwing duds out there in church class. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh right, I forgot it's church class. <laughs> oh Jane. I do feel like there is so much power in
1: delivery. Timing.
0: Timing. Your delivery is going to be great if you're believing in yourself.
1: And I, I don't want to give bad advice, sure, but.
0: Sure, it's called Don't Ask Tig.
1: In the particular venue that she's working in, <laughs> that a surefire way to, to get a, a, a pretty solid laugh is to be inappropriate. <laughs> you say. <saying, laughs> <laughs> Say something shocking at the church uh, class.
0: Or even just yell out, hey, we're in church class. Isn't that silly? Yeah.
1: <laughs> but I know that feeling though. I can remember it specific events when I was in school where I cracked a joke that seemed timed perfectly and just yeah. got nothing. But a bunch of other students kind of looking at me like, what? <laughs> it's the worst feeling.
0: Well, Jane take the advice from two professional comedians break a leg in church class though whatever you do
1: you know keep trying until you just feel too embarrassed to do it anymore and then <laughs> and then become a stand up
0: <laughs> <laughs> and then get a podcast
1: it's all going to unfold for you
0: you call your um Your home, the cat ranch.
1: The original cat ranch. I don't know if this one's really a cat ranch, but the other one was a cat ranch because I had several cats and then there were several strays around. Yeah, I used to call it the cat ranch, yeah.
0: Well, my house is called Kitty City. Oh, that's good. Were you always a cat lover?
1: Well, my ex-wife, the second one, brought me a kitten. Then I just started this relationship with cats And it just never stopped. I don't know if I'm the optimum cat owner because I'm a little abrasive, but now Mm -hmm. I've got three again, and they're all dudes. And, you know, it's kind of crazy over here, but they all like each other. And one of them is kind (laughs) of dumb.
0: Our three really get along. And when we go put Max and Finn to bed, all three cats come in. And then when we go down to eat, all three cats. And we're (laughs) always like, oh, kitty city, kitty city. Yeah.
1: I got a new one. I got Charlie. He's less than a year. And he's just out of control. Like, just breaking things. You know, it's it's crazy. Yeah. But it's great. Uh, He also fetches, which is always... It's always fun to have a cat that fetches for a while. That's the best. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Well, I think that you and I... Are more than qualified to weigh in on this next question because of our cat love and obsession. Yeah. Rose in Portland writes Hey, Tig, a cute young cat started visiting our family after we moved into a new house. We asked neighbors, but no one recognized him. Eventually, he started coming inside and blending into our family. Then one day, he showed up with a collar, and we found out he belongs to a neighbor in her teens. She gets him right away when we call, but he's at our place all the time and acts like he lives here. It's like we're slowly and awkwardly stealing our neighbor's cat, (laughs) but the biggest issue is that he's not neutered. We offered to arrange and pay for the surgery, and his owner said yes, but soon changed her mind, saying that she'll get it done herself. Is it okay to tell her, if you aren't able to get him neutered in the next two weeks, we'll take care of it? What would you do?
1: Absolutely. I mean it's a bigger issue. Yeah. You can't have all these feral cats everywhere. It's not good. Mm-hmm. Someone has to act on it. I've neutered cats that were hanging around my old house. I don't even know if they belonged to other people. There was this big black cat that had these huge balls that was just running around with his face all ready to go and just like out in the world and he belonged to someone down the street and me and my girlfriend at the time were like we're going to do it and we we just we just did it. Wow. If the cats outside living a life, yeah, you have to spade or neuter. It's your responsibility.
0: I agree. And especially if this cat is always hanging around your house and you're in touch with these people, I would for sure say to do that.
1: Well, it sounds like she's a, a kid and I don't know what, you know, what her angle is on it. Do you know, mm-hmm. uh, you know, I don't know what she's attached to or why she wouldn't want to have it done. I mean, you just have to do it like Mm -hmm. as a guy, and this is weird. You know, Mm -hmm. I, all my kittens are are males and you know, there just comes a time where you're like, sorry, you know, those got to go and I feel for you, but we got to take the balls off. Mm -hmm. It's a cat and you're doing the right thing. I don't know what she's holding back on, but you don't want to, you know, these kittens, they're just going to be litters of cats. No, you can't have a cat out there with either things working Oh, my God.
0: All right. Well, Rose, we hope that helps. Good luck. Mark, it's now time for us to answer a question sent in this evening by one of our audience members. Okay. Amanda writes, I'm a psychoanalyst in training, and it's taking up nearly all of my time. I'm in a very intensive program in therapy three times a week. Classes last all day long and have 100 to 200 pages to read every week. Mm. It's a lot. That's not even the problem. I have a lot of friends who are upset with me or think I'm upset with them, no matter how much I try to communicate what is going on in my life with this massive five-year undertaking. Do you have any advice for maneuvering life and relationships when you're hyper-focused on something big, challenging, and long-term? Well, I mean, if (laughs) your friends aren't understanding about that, that would be something that would make me wonder about these friendships. I have plenty of friends that are, including myself, I get so busy. And if people weren't understanding, I would be concerned about the connection that we have.
1: Yeah, but you know, like, it might not be the friend. It's not like she needs new friends. She doesn't have time. She got no time for the one she has either. You know, I know,
0: but I'm just saying, like, wouldn't you understand or would you not understand? Well, I
1: think that people are weird. And how many real friends do you have? You know what I mean? You know, if you're five, all you need are two. You know, you need the main one and then the one you go to when you 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 drain the main one. Yeah. So, Mm -hmm. I mean, I understand her plight, but there's another way to look at it, too, with these kind of things is that you know, next year might be different. You know, it's a finite amount of time until you get to where you need to be. And also you're going to find out who your real friends really are and maybe they'll work around your schedule, but the dynamics going to change because you just don't have the emotional time or space for them. And that might affect their side of it too. It's just, it's a difficult time when you have that type of work in front of you, that type of work to do, but it will end and you will get rewarded for the work you've done, and the friends that are real friends will be there on the other side of it.
0: Yeah, it's a weird pressure when people don't understand your work or school or relationships. Right. Or, you know it would be good is if you said, here is when I do have a break coming up and say, why don't we plan something at this point instead of saying, no, I'm not available, no, I can't, no, no, no. And if you really want to see them, say, oh, In uh, the springtime, I have a couple of days free and let's make a plan.
1: Also, don't underestimate the possibility that some of them might just be shitty friends and Mm. their jealousy and selfishness is going to bring you down. Mm -hmm. That's always a story, right? They're either jealous or they're not doing what they want to do with their life or and they're sort of like, what? Why don't you have time for me? Like, don't let them take you off your don't lose focus.
0: Right. All right. Amanda, hang in there. Just set some boundaries. And if you have time, make a plan to see your friends.
1: Experiment with some active listening to your friends' selfish problems. (laughs) You know, start applying your new skills.
0: All right. The show is almost over, Mark. Yeah. But I have one last thing that I need your help with. Okay. It's a special segment called Name That Thing. Name that thing right it's the part of the show where we help people figure out what to call their stuff okay we've named a lot of things from a board game to a grandmother the only catch is that whatever name we come up with it's legally binding the listener must use it do you think you can help with this mark
1: I think so. I I don't know if I'm, I'm great at these kind of things, but I'll try. Okay. I'm open to it.
0: Today's request comes from Priscilla in Copenhagen. Priscilla writes, Hi, Tig. I'm working on creating a new variety of tomato. I'm trying for a furry tomato. Sounds weird, but there are actually lots of furry and fuzzy tomatoes, almost like peaches. Lots of tomatoes have impossibly long and often German names. What would be good, catchy, and short for my new tomato variety? Mm. This is where we have to like really think this through, Mark, because yeah. again, Priscilla is going to stick with this name. And this is, we are naming a tomato. Right. This is important. Yeah. So I try and think about some keywords here.
1: There's, hairy. Furry, yeah, there's furry, there's fuzzy. fuzzy.
0: Well, it could be a, a peachy tomato.
1: Sure. That's sure. an
0: option. Yeah. A peachy tomato. Yeah. What about German? Do you know German?
1: I don't. Hmm. Why can't we just go with like fuzzy toms?
0: Fuzzy toms? Okay. All <laughs> or right. something like that. I don't want to fight about it. I, I don't want this to be the end of me and you. Is... No, it
1: just seems like it's right there somehow. Yeah. There's a million different like someone just said, "fermado." That's a, but. I like Fuzzy Tom's is a little better. You want it to be a little appetizing.
0: Fuzzy Tom's.
1: Yeah, they're kind of nice. I like Fuzzy Tom's.
0: I really like the name. I don't know if uh, Fuzzy Tom would get me to eat something. Huh. That would that would uh, wet your appetite. Maybe not. You want you want a couple of Fuzzy Tom's?
1: Well, you don't. Know, I guess Fuzzy is not the appetizing part of it, but she seems pretty proud of the fuzz. What about
0: Furry Tom's?
1: Furry is definitely not that appetizing. Yes. Yeah. Fuzzy fun toms. Fun fuzz. Fuzzy. Fun fuzzatos. fuzzy. <laughs> fuzzy
0: tom toms.
1: Fuzzy tom toms.
0: I like that. Fuzzy tom tom.
1: Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Fuzzy toms honestly would gross me out. Yeah. If somebody said, do you want a fuzzy tom? I would be like, uh, no, thank you. Yeah. But if they were like, would you like a fuzzy tom tom? Right, I'd be very curious. Or,
1: or, or, how about Fuzzy Tasties?
0: Fuzzy Tasties?
1: I think fuzz is is it's hard to get over that, you know, to make fuzz appetizing. Because right when you say fuzz, you like you kind of want to start picking your tongue a little bit.
0: I know, but Fuzzy Tom Toms is That's so good. fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Mark, are we going to agree on the name, Fuzzy like, Tom Toms? I
1: like Fuzzy Tom Toms.
0: I do too.
1: Oh, someone just texted Velvado. That's pretty good.
0: Velvado, because
1: like something smooth is velvet, like velvety. That's a, touch, yeah. that's a tasty texture sometimes. But fu- it's not as fun as fuzzy tom-toms.
0: <laughs> I know, fuzzy tom-toms.
1: Let's do it. I'm fuzzy kind of tom-tom. sold on
0: it. Because I feel like it was also a nice mix of you and I coming to this.
1: To a decision. Yeah. Putting some rhythm to it.
0: You were like, how about this? And I was like, but how about this? And yeah. then it's like, yeah. well, we now have fuzzy tom-toms. Yeah. All right. Priscilla, your furry tomatoes are officially... Named Fuzzy Tom Toms. Yay. And she has to use it.
1: We'll send someone out to make sure.
0: We sure will. (laughs) (laughs) Mark, we've officially reached the end of the show. But right when we got to the end, I had one more question that I'm sure you get answered all the time. And I just have to ask you. Okay. Genuinely, do you still enjoy doing your podcast?
1: Yeah, I need to do it. I genuinely do enjoy it still because... I never know what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. I don't know these people, most of them. And if I do know them, it's from their TV appearances or their work, or I've seen them around comedy clubs for my entire life. So it's genuinely engaging, and I'm full of mild dread before every conversation I have. And, you know, it's good.
0: You are genuinely engaging as well. And I I hope that you continue to do your show because it's— opened my eyes to so many people. And I've had the pleasure to know you and to get to know you better through your podcast.
1: Well, I am always happy to see you. And I feel like we're old friends. and We've known each mm-hmm. other a long time. And I'm happy that we know each other. Same. And I'm glad that you're doing well as well.
0: Very much the same. And I'm really thankful that you took the time to be on the show. It was truly a pleasure to have you and to see you again. It
1: really was both ways there. I, I, great to see you too. Thanks for having me. Your heart
0: is for. that's what don't ask tig is hosted by me tig notaro it's produced by thomas Ouellette and Shayna deloria our executive producer and editor is beth perlman engineering and sound mixing by alex simpson digital production by james napoli talent booking by marianne ways our theme music is friend in tig by edie burkell and kyle crusham and listen to your heart by edie burkell special thanks to hunter Seidman. apm studios executives in charge are chandra kavati alex Schaffert and Joanne Griffith, concept developed by Tracy Mumford. Our executive consultant is Dean Capello and Gobsmack Studios. You can always ask for advice at don'tasktig.org. Just write in with your problem or send us a voice memo. Remember to follow us on social media at Don't Ask TIG. Don't Ask TIG is a production of American Public Media. And as always, thanks, Dana, and I'll tell Becky.